Hello, Sexy Sunday. It's the best day of the week because I get to share a convo with you about sex, relationships, and being the most free and confident version of yourself. I'm big on making my own rules and normalizing these kinds of conversations because I believe that the more we talk about it, the better sex we're all gonna have because we'll be more educated and hornier. We walk around and hardly broach this topic in our normal lives, but I'm trying to change that. This is storytelling that's entertaining as hell, that will leave you laughing and gasping, introducing ideas that'll change you and break you open to celebrating your sexy self. Come with a curious head and brave heart, and let's play. I'm Bonnie Weeks, and this is gonna be fun. Hello, sexies. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, people that sometimes you see them and you're like, they have amazing lips. This is, this is who our guest is today. And I'm sorry that you cannot see their lips. Like I can see their lips. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Angela Rockwell. Happy to be here, Bonnie. Thank you for that intro. It's too good. Changing all my marketing. That's my new business card. Great lips. (laughs) Absolutely. You should. You should. (laughs) Um, I actually want to begin with a poem that you wrote. And it's fun because we've been in contact via Instagram and social media, and you've been participating in the Sexy Sunday poetry prompts. And like, it seriously makes me so delighted when people do. And then if you share it publicly, some people send it privately, which is fantastic. But I mean, what you do with your line of work, it makes sense as well. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to read this for you or to, to you for everyone. Here we are. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this was the prompt do not love me. You say, do not love me. Oh, wait, pause. Pull it back up. Here we go. <laughs> do not love me for who you think i am do not love me for the way i quote light up a room for the ways the sun hits just right kissing my skin through the window after you have had me do not love me for my infectious laugh for my wild curls and the way their energy matches mine do not love me for my perfections Love me in darkness, in a mess when there is no light, no laughter. Love me when you cannot have me because I do not feel like myself. Do not love me only for my softness. Fall in love with the hard parts too. Mm. Oh, is it weird to get chills from your own writing, but when someone else (laughs) reads it, that (laughs) delight. Mm. It was so good. I know. I'm proud of me. (laughs) You should be proud of you. You should be proud of you. I think the idea too of like, do not love me when you cannot have me because I do not feel like myself and do not love me only for my softness. Right. And, and that like, we're so many more than we're so much more than one thing, which is thing, something I, I, I say often and really believe that sometimes we box ourselves in and we say like, I'm just this, or I only see the world in this way, or I'm always fill in the blank and to allow ourselves to be an evolution and to invite other people to be like, okay, you can love me. And also I'm going to be a transformer. (laughs) (laughs) We're, we're such multifaceted 
beings and individuals and I like to say I, I hang out at seven different intersections just with my identities and all of those mm. things comprise who I am and how I show up in the world as, you know, as Angela, as a queer person, as a neurodivergent person of color, you know, somebody who is mostly able-bodied, but also experiences pretty intense chronic pain. All of these are parts of me that inform how I navigate existing personally, professionally, and how I interact personally and professionally, those things are even intertwined. And so to say that someone is just one thing, I mean, I call bullshit, you know, you can't, you're not just one thing. You're all of, all of the things you feel, all of the things you avoid feeling or all, all of that, all these complex sprinkles. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of being sprinkles anyway. That's exciting. Oh yeah. But I think maybe I, maybe I say that and maybe people are like, well, of course I've always thought that. But I think for me, I I definitely have had this journey of being like, well, I'm the mom, I'm the mom hat or, you know, and I think that some people can get really wrapped up in work and be like, well, I am the role that I do at work, right. Or, Mm -hmm. or I am the wife or I am the husband or I am the caretaker or I am this. And sometimes when we give so much, and I guess that's maybe what it is. Sometimes we give so much in one area that we start to be like, I guess this is all what all that my existence is. Or we're shutting off these other pieces of ourselves or starving them out to feed or fuel this identity, this motherhood, this entrepreneur, this partner, spouse, whatever it might be. And so you're like, I'm not, I'm not fun. I'm a mom. I'm not playful. I'm in business. I'm not this or that because I have to be this instead of I can be both this and that, and I can show Mm up holding space for both of those things. Totally. I was at a creators conference in, um, in June of this year. And I sat next to this person, um, BIPOC artist, and he was showing me his, his work and, um, and this was for online creators. And, and for some reason we started talking about crop tops and he's like, I really just, you know, <laughs> we're talking about what we're wearing. He's like, I really just wanted to wear a crop top here. And I was like, me too. I really had it set. I was like, can I wear a crop top? And I was like, next conference, we're both wearing our crop tops to the <laughs> conference. Okay. <laughs> so we're like, we're like, we're like business people. We're like doing the thing. And also we're going to wear crop tops. <laughs> and I think part of that though comes from this narrative that you have to be a certain type of way when you're filling a certain role. So when you're a, when you're a parent, you can't also be sexy or sexual when you are a, I work in mental health. I'm a therapist. When you're doing that, you need to have a certain public image and don't say, share too much about yourself personally. Hi to all of my clients who are probably going to listen to this. Uh, you know, and it's, it boxes you in and then it creates this internal dialogue of, I can't, I can't, I can't, because that's not for me, me being this role I've created or found myself in. So tell me more about that. I mean, having to hold, you know, like kind of holding this space where you're like, I'm the therapist. I'm not going to like develop these, you know, I'm, I can't be your, I've, you know, I've talked to therapists <laughs> who are like, I can't be your friend outside of this. Like, this is like a very hard boundary, but for you to then be like, actually, I'm going to be a real human and I'm going to share this. What has that journey been? Because did it begin that way? Oh, it did not begin that way. I started my career in industrial organizational behavior management, which is the most boring 
maybe one of the most boring forms of, of psychology, I think now, now I do my work as an integrated somatic trauma therapist. So night and day. Um, and I, when I was in school, I always found it so bizarre, this whole, not that I don't think dual relationships are appropriate. Like I'm your therapist. I'm not your friend, but also I'm a person. And so when I'm speaking to you and we're navigating through your challenges or through your circumstances, I want you to know that I'm showing up as a person first, not a checklist of something I was taught to say to you in response to what you're saying to me. And so there's a form of a therapy called blank slate therapy, where you show up and you're pretty like, I'm not a person. I don't say anything about myself or self-disclose at all. And I think there's a difference between showing up that way and showing up as your authentic self and letting your own story influence how you support someone through theirs. So uh, for example, I have this story I like to tell clients when they're, uh, they're talking about a problem and they're like, oh, it's this thing that's causing the problem. I'm like, it's not that thing. That's the hot dog. And they're like the hot dog. I'm like, yeah, it's the hot dog. Uh, my husband's parents were married to each other twice. And this is the story I Ooh. tell to my clients. They were married to each other twice. Probably shouldn't have happened twice, but we're, we're grateful because we have the husband. Um, but when they finally got divorced the second time, they were arguing because the bun to hot dog ratio, which is never right anyway. The bun to hot dog ratio got messed up because my father-in-law ate one or the other. Doesn't matter. Messed up the ratio. They're arguing over hot dogs. And so they end up getting divorced over hot dogs when in actuality it had nothing to do with the damn hot dogs. It had to do with all of the things before the hot dogs. And so I'll tell the story to clients one, cause it's trauma therapy. You want to bring a little levity in now and then, and hot dogs are funny. Um, <laughs> And the story's a little funny, even though it's also not right because a lot of life is funny and also not, and it's heavy and it's complex. And to be able to say, you know, is this the hot dog or is this actually the problem? Mm-hmm. And to have that human dialogue, that personal dialogue with people, I think is, is huge. Um, especially because the folks that I work with often have pretty complex identity intersections. I work with a lot of people of color, um, queer and non-binary folk and people in non-traditional relationships. So people who are in polyamorous relationships or CNM. And so to be able to say, I'm a regular person and I can't speak to your exact experience, but I also have had some parallel experiences and we're going to have this 50, 60 minutes together to process through that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really beautiful as opposed to tell me how that made you feel. Yeah. The answer's probably like shit or a little shitty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think that's exactly where everywhere where I'm going or, or where I'm working or how I'm working with people. I think it's exactly this. So I love this answer, Angela. And like, I'm like, I want to be a real human. Like I'm just a real human here in my house and the perception of, of me, perhaps on social media or the ways that like I might exist in the world. Like I'm really like also like my poop stings too. (laughs) Yeah. I put my pants on maybe just like everyone else. Um, (laughs) begrudgingly, I suppose I work, I mean, I work from home, uh, (laughs) and I, 
I show up, my cats show up in the middle of sessions sometimes, and then clients will pull up their animals, you know, and it's nice to have this Mm -hmm. in the middle of something heavy to have moments of levity and moments of just human connection. So much, I think of trauma work for a lot of people is, is connecting to someone that they can feel comfortable with, that they can trust. I have a, have a little bit of a pet peeve around naming places as safe, partly because I don't like to, I don't decide what safety looks or feels like for other folks. And that's something I carry with me in the therapy space and every other conversation or space where I am with community or another person in that all people can be problematic. No space is inherently safe, but I'd like to help you find what that looks like for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like within the yoga world, that is definitely a word that, that hopefully is being mm-hmm. constructed and not used <laughs> as much where it's like, this is a safe space. And I'm like, okay, well maybe safe or maybe we're working towards safer or we want mm-hmm. it to be safe for you. And we don't know what that means for you in specific, but we'd like to work with you to make it that let's say, <laughs> yep. Let's figure out what does that look and feel like for you? And especially for folks in marginalized identities, we're just existing isn't safe to go into a space that's meant to be or oriented toward healing or toward embodiment and say, feel safe in your body, even though out there in the world, it may not be safe for you. That's a big ask. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump from there. Um, So feeling safe in your body. I am sure that how you, I mean, just, this is, this is a wild guess, but I'm sure that you have not felt as you do in your body, your whole life, as you do at this moment. Oh no. Um, oh no. I (laughs) safety in the body. Hmm. Well, I will say in 30 plus years of existence, this is the safest I have felt in my body. And I think a lot of that comes from deconstructing harmful social narratives and social constructs. And I'm also somebody who now I am in a smaller body, but I grew up in a larger body. I grew up as a fat kid, as a fat person. I entered the yoga space and wellness industry as a fat person. And let me tell you, yoga studio in LA at 320 pounds is not a kind place most Mm. of the time. And so you see people doing these really intensive poses and postures and really feeling a type of way. And so I joke with my husband, who is also Uh, what we call a former fat kid. So when you grew up as a fat kid where you would like maybe eat the cheese off the paper uh, of the McDonald's wrapper type of fat kid and you grew up and you are not necessarily in a large body anymore, but you still have those narratives and that construct as a jacket in some ways. And that really informs embodiment or choosing to be disembodied or not even knowing you're disembodied, just being like, this is how I navigate existing. And then when you start to feel shit, you're like, what are these things? This is terrible. I got to leave this place. Oh, wait, this place is my body. Yeah. Yeah. That's so many levels. There's so many pieces in all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we're more than one thing, y'all. <laughs> yep. And, and- you know, I think before, before I proceed, I'd be remiss to not give a, a content warning for the rest of the conversation. And that we're going to talk about, I'm going to bring up trauma and probably some disordered eating stuff and maybe some uh, sexual assault stuff, depending on where the conversation goes. So just want to cue that in for your listeners, yeah. if those are touchy or sensitive. Um, 
But that being said, I think being safe in my body, you know, I grew up with uh, in a complex household where there was, uh, you know, physical and verbal abuse, and that makes it feel unsafe to be in your body. And then being in a large body where you're told everything about you existing, breathing, eating, moving is wrong. Um, And so all of that informs how you approach, how you use your body, how you spend time in your body or don't. And I think it also creates this layer of susceptibility around like compliments and praise. So I know for me in, in undergrad, and I think this is funny. So I actually went to college in Utah, even though I am from Southern California. What, what college did you go to? University of Utah uh, for okay. a period of time. And so uh, being in Salt Lake from Utah is, or Salt Lake from LA, far different. Right. Uh, as, like, as, as like a background for me, I went to BYU, former Mormon. So, <laughs> yep. So we're rival schools. Uh, yeah, I suppose. We were. <laughs> we were. Um, and Utah's its own thing, its own place. But I am. I'm a person of color. I've got this big hair and do not look like a stereotypical Mormon girl. And that was sought after in some interesting ways Mm. Um, in a, like an exoticized uh, merit badge, Boy Scout badge. But like, obviously we're not going to marry you or date you, but like, sleeping with you would be great. It's like, well, I'm a, you know, a person in a larger body who's working to be in a smaller body and there's some self-esteem stuff there. So sure. You're pumping up my jam. That sounds great. And thinking that this is a good way to build relationship, even though it's not a good way to build relationship. And so you end up giving parts of yourself away because you don't know that you've been taught that no one's going to want them. So you start to give it away Mm. Mm. and that absolutely changes the experience of being with and in your body. Yeah. When I think the idea of like being taught, um, I think sometimes I think of taught as like a teacher standing up in front of a room. And I Mm -hmm. think the taught here, even in this is like, this is experience taught, Mm -hmm. which is maybe not somebody lecturing. It could be, it could be, but it's also, what is the response been from people? The social nuances, conversations and, and, and um, I think having my three kids and watching them navigate social so we'll call them social experiments (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's exactly what they are (laughs) it's i mean it's wild and it's and it's hard it's hard to watch them like go through these things where like kids who are considered quote-unquote friends i'm like this is actually not how friends participate yeah just so you know like this is really sucky and this does not mean that they're actually a friend even though you care about them so yeah. yeah Um, okay. So you had sex with some Mormon boys. <laughs> yeah. Obviously in the BYU parking lot, because why not? 
bonus boys bonus you parking lot okay yes bonus out there bonus points for living next to the bishop too um (laughs) (laughs) i just laughing so much i my boyfriend in high school went to byu with me um, the first semester, there's this whole, that's a whole story I'm not going to go into, but, um, he left after the first semester, he came down and would visit me. He would drive his suburban down, which was a great vehicle to have in high school too. Cause mm-hmm. it had no seats in the back of it, but <laughs> how convenient I know. <laughs> so he would drive down and come and visit me. And, um, he like, they had put in like little uh, window coverings over the back so he could just totally chill. So we would mm-hmm. like definitely hang out in like dt like before they remodeled dt and like desert towers there and and i would go and we would hang in the back i was like okay well it's four in the morning maybe i should go back into my door (laughs) (laughs) so i get it i get it you know sometimes it's just because you can (gasps) exactly exactly absolutely oh okay so many pieces um let's go to we're going to, uh, everything's going to keep weaving together. I would like you, let's jump to present for a second. And how okay. would you describe, because that was like sex life, figuring out your body, figuring out like your worth as a human being, feeling like you've been told that you're not in some sort of ways, getting laid by some Mormon boys. And, <laughs> and now let's like jump super far ahead. And then we're going to keep jumping back and forth. How okay, would you describe cool. your sex life now? <laughs> we'll put it this way. I, before I don't know, 30 minutes ago, I went to my husband. I've been married for three years and we've been together for almost seven. And I went to my husband. I was like, can I tell the story about the time I broke your dick? And, and he said, yes. Um, and so that's, that's generally do it. That's generally how it is. I mean, we started when we started out dating, it was definitely a lot hotter and heavier. And then we learned our physical boundaries through injury. (laughs) Um, and Wait, so we now learned our, we learned our, our boundaries <laughs> through injury. Okay, okay, yep. Okay, good. Yep. And um, also for frame of reference, we were both very clumsy people um, like bunk each other in the face, busted lip type situation. Like we have the weakest spatial awareness of two people combined. Um, <laughs> it's not, it sounds like it's a good time. It is. It is a good time. Um, but you know, initially no we were no laughter. <laughs> oh, definitely the the rule over here is don't take yourself too seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. And initially we were having lots and lots of sex frequently during the day and to the evening. We used to call it lunch sex and tacos. I would take lunch break and we'd have tacos and sometimes we wouldn't. Sometimes and he would, I wouldn't. Now your taco wellness, is there is there a crossover? <laughs> I mean, maybe just serendipitous or the universe li- stars lining up the way they need okay. to tacos, um, eat your tacos. Yep. Yeah. It, it's funny too. Cause as a side note, taco cat wellness was a total placeholder until I came up with a good business name and then we just ran with it. So here, and, here okay, we this are. Is another, this is a side note to your side note. Have you played the card game? Taco goat cat cheese or taco cat goat cheese pizza. I have not, but I have heard, I've heard of it and I have seen it. Okay. Uh, well, we can get together IRL and play it. 
Yes, we'll do it. Okay. Okay. okay go um, going, broke going dick. back, broke his dick. Um, and that was from, you know, friction, um, getting a little too excited. I like to be on top every now and then regularly. Um, you know, it's, it's a rubbing position. It's a good vibe. It's a good angle. It's a, it was also as another side note, pretty sad when I saw like, there's something on social media that was like, turn your phone camera facing you right now how you're looking that's what you look like when you're on top i'm like oh no it's not i definitely look better than this um over the years the frequency has adjusted but the duration has elongated um and so i am so hashtag blessed in the multiple orgasm department um and uh, i'm a messy orgasmer as well Yum. and we like to make sure we sync up which pretty much 99% of the time is how that works out mm-hmm. and i think over the years just being able to have good communication outside of the bedroom and talk about what we were taught around sex, what expectations are, um, around quote, heterosexual relationships. And I think for both of us getting to being able to have that dialogue outside of the bedroom and play with each other. And also we're really good friends. And so it just makes the experience that much better. Um, you know, I'll, (laughs) I was thinking about it ahead of this conversation. And I'm like, if you live in the Portland metro area and you've been in a Target, so have we. Um, if you've been in the Rose Garden, so have we. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you've been in the woods, so have we. If we house it for you, sorry. <laughs> oh, you say you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, actually one of the, we both have it kind of in the proverbial spank bank. Uh, and there was this time I was, uh, <laughs> house sitting for a good friend of mine and her husband worked in it. And so they had cameras around their house because their kids came home would they had latchkey kids, you know, they were working professionals and they'd want to like keep an eye on the kids, whatever they're in Mexico. We end up having sex in her kitchen and she sends me a text and says, it's a live feed. <laughs> and I was like, she's cool. like, are you watching? I'm like, I'm like, cool. What'd you see? And she's like the things and the stuff. And I was like, well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you ask her? You're like, did you watch it all? Like, yeah, I was like, I was like, did you? And she's like, you know, that was, that was impressive. And you did the dishes when you were done even. I'm like, well, yeah, I got to finish what I started (laughs) in all the ways. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. I love it so much. I'm like, I I would 100% watch that. Like if it's on there, you know, like, yeah, I wish I had, I wish I had it, you know, no kidding. Good material, passive income. (laughs) Hashtag only fans. (laughs) Wait, wait, I, I have to back up though. Because I'm not totally clear on how the dick was broken. Mm. We had probably had sex, I don't know, 15 times in two or three days, maybe. 
and essentially just like a friction situation. And so he was like rubbed raw. He needs rubbed like raw. And then um, getting a little too excited coming back, you know, coming back in from being on top and just like kind of a crick. Oh, I, that has you know, happened. I, yep. Yes, you know, I when know their exactly. dicks are, when the dick is so hard and it just, yep. Then the whole thing, just bad time. Oh my We've God. had a few not, of those. I do not think that's even been talked about on this podcast at all so far, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. We're like, you like push down hard. Yep. And it like wrong angle and it totally bends and they're like dying. Yeah. And they're dying. And you're kind of like, oh, well, this was like the moment where we were almost done and now we can't be done. And so I'm sorry about your dick, but also can we be done? Can we finish? Yeah. <laughs> Also, are can you I, okay? Can we keep going? Can I, can I, are you good? Are you good? And we've had this experience. We learned, we learned from that. Um, but then we also had an experience once, um, the slippery wood floor. Um, this is why socks during sex is, this, is not the business. So is this slippery because of socks or slippery because of liquid? Uh, slippery because of socks or the carpeting. I cannot remember okay. which. And, um, we had a little bit of a slip during some anal play. And that was, I think I might've thrown him across the room. I was like, Oh, what? <laughs> and so that was closed for business for the rest of the night. Um, and so we'll still, we refer to it as this, we were in San Luis Obispo. Um, and so we refer to it as the slow incident. And we're like, all right, you know, we don't want to have another slow incident. Got to be careful. Um, and it's it's extra funny because all growing up, uh, my husband, who I mentioned, is a kind of a clumsy person. Both are his dad always like gentle, careful, gentle, careful. And so now I I'm like gentle, careful. <laughs> Mostly just to fuck with him, but uh, also a little bit of seriousness. <laughs> Like, don't break anything. No body parts yeah. broken tonight. Careful. I'm like, we're not. And we have the same primary care physician now too. So that makes me more conscientious about like, we don't, don't want to get hurt because then she'll know. <laughs> okay. But that's interesting. Like she obviously is like, I hope you're having sex. Yep. Yep. And then you're also like in the back of your head, you're like, oh, she's going to know. Yeah. She's going to know, but it, she's the doctor and there's nothing to be ashamed about having good sex. So no, no. I mean, that's a whole short story I could write right there. Like this is, we're going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. She knows both of us. So <laughs> oh man. Um, that's amazing. I think that sometimes I, like the, the broken dick situation, I've, I've had that before, but I think recently I've, I felt like I am learning my threshold of how much my pussy can handle the friction mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, there's like a threshold here. Also, I'm like, there's, and if this, and I agree with you, I'm like, let's, let's like have sex for a longer time, but then there has to be some variance. Cause I'm like, okay, like this feels so good that this is all I want to do, but also I would like to have sex again in the next several days. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like I want to have sex tomorrow. So how do we like also, <laughs> it's like when you get a good work, when you have a good workout or a good deep stretch and you want to be able to do it again the next day or after a rest day, it's finding that, that edging, that sweet spot of like just enough, not too much so that 
your dick slash pussy are broken or out of commission right. and, and, until you get to the point where you're like, fuck it, we're just doing this. So yeah, exactly. Like to. <laughs> Which is also true. Yeah, uh, it's 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 better. And I remember, Sorry. like, I, like two or three days, and I'm like, "So how you doing?" He's like, "Oh, maybe it's better." I'm like, "Okay, well, let's see if it's better." Oh, and it's not. It's better. <laughs> oh, like maybe it's not better. And then it's hard when you both want it, and mm-hmm. you one of you has to be the responsible party to be like, "No, your dick's broken." <laughs> And then you have to say things like, do you want to keep breaking your dick? <laughs> You're like, this is not something I ever thought I'd be saying, but now I'm going to say it again. <laughs> nope. So then I just do, I just make sure to wear the, all the nude underwear I own simultaneously, really spice it up. <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to walk around with see-through clothes on so that you have to look at me and your dick's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let me actually wear uh a house robe and look like a grandma and maybe keep you from it probably turns being on, excited at all. And he's like, the fact that you're thinking about it, I'm like, ah, we're not thinking about it, but we are thinking about it. <laughs> it's like when you say, don't, th- don't think about orange Subarus. And now you're going to see 50 of them while you're driving today. Oh, like Subarus. Okay. Yeah. But I think that clothes though, clothes are erotic. Oh and yeah. Even if they're baggy clothes or like, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it's fun to undress people in your head. Mm-hmm. So that's just more layers of discovery. We like to take our time too. So that is, yeah. uh, that's always nice. Right. Well, I think making out with your clothes on is so hot. We were making out the other day and which is something we haven't done a ton of recently. And uh, my husband says to me like, oh, we should do this more. I'm like, yes. You should make out with me more. <laughs> and it's, it's like the make out is the feel up. It's like, we can't like, there's not an instant, like, okay, well, it's like, we're, we're inside. We're like, like mm-hmm. it's not naked. like so fast where you're just like, okay, there's a different play. Nope. And we're big on the, big on the foreplay and the teasing and the lead up. And especially like on a Saturday, we'll get up and maybe fool around kind of quickly get out of the house to go run some errands or whatever. And then the whole time we're running errands, just be butt grabbing and Mm -hmm. doing all the, all the things. And I, um, I'm glad that we don't have kids because they'd be hella embarrassed by us. But oh whenever God. we're out and we see embarrassed by me, it's fine. <laughs> whenever we see like, uh, you know, somebody grabbing their partner's butt or canoodling or kissing out in public, we're always like, yeah, get it. Yeah, same. <laughs> when I'm driving around and I see somebody and I can tell that they're like trying to be sneaky about it, but I'm like, mm-hmm. they, like I'm driving by. Of course I see that right there, people. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Exactly. Like, uh, the other let's see, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, we're sitting on the couch and we just hear this loud moaning and groaning. And I'm like, oh shit. So we turn the TV down because we're us and our neighbor's having sex. Yes. <laughs> and then we realize we're, we're not necessarily getting turned on. We're just critiquing. We're like, do you think she's faking it? Sounds really intense. Do you think, do you think, oh, that's really creaky. Do you think he's jackhammering it? Like, wait, I thought that only one person lived upstairs. Sounds like there's three people upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is a better show than what we were watching. Yeah. I'm like, this is absolutely better than some comfort show we've seen 5,000 times. This is great. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, well, I don't feel as inclined to be quiet because, you know, this chick doesn't. So. So did you join them? We did. Yes. <laughs> and I am one of those people where like, generally try to be conscientious to live in an apartment and I'm not a total asshole, but also if you hear me too bad, so sad. Mm-hmm. And, they, and were, they started it. They started it. Yeah. I'm like, you started it. You know, we finished after, but I mean, so, we started, started so do later. Guys, do you guys make some eye contact in the hallway and you're like, Hey, <laughs> I have not seen this person. Ooh. <laughs> so I have no idea who or you this... might have. I might have. I have, I have no idea. Um, and so I'd imagine they're probably, they'd probably be more embarrassed than, than I would be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, given what you do and what you talk about, you're like, yeah, great. Yeah. I'm like, nothing, nothing really surprises me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how does your husband feel about your recent poll? He installed it. Um, yes. So is he, I is he, is he dancing too? He is open to the idea and doesn't want to hurt himself. So we're picking back, <laughs> speaking, picking back up with up. our. I know. Um, you know, anyone who's doing any physical activity, but especially if you're over thirty, fuck it, stretch first, man. Like you, you got to stretch first. Um, so we're picking back, you know, picking our yoga practice back up after busy summer and, uh, he's getting into it. I'm getting into it. Um, he installed it for me and was very encouraging. I have this, I have this thing where like, I could go to target and buy 5,000 things right now. No problem. But whenever I'm going to make an investment or a larger purchase, Mm -hmm. I always do this like, "Uh, uh, uh." so I had shopped around, found the one I wanted. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it eventually. When I cancel class pass, I'll do it. Or when this I'll do it. And, uh, he's like, just, just fucking buy it. I buy it shows up, puts it up for me. And, and it's a party. Um, it is in the middle of my living room though. And part of that is the ceiling is tallest there. And I also wanted it to be in a space where there were no mirrors. Um, and I think part of that is I, I love having sex in front of a mirror. I think it's amazing. I want to be in a mirrored room, except yeah. I think the lighting would be wild trying to sleep. But anyway, <laughs> I have big windows, but, um, I wanted the pole specifically to be somewhere there was, there weren't mirrors so that I wouldn't be in my head and I could just be in my body and it could feel like a, cause it is primarily for exercise but it is also for funsies and I wanted it to be I didn't want it to feel like a show beyond what I was doing just me and my spouse me and myself and you know should I decide the rest of social media on the internet you know and so having it being able to put my headphones on and just be with it in my body doing that has been amazing. Um, and also just for really sexy doing that. And I also kind of like the, I don't do gloves or anything like that when I practice. And so I kind of like the bruises after the fact, um, the, like the markings of I've done some shit, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I think is fun both when you are, on the pole playing by yourself and consensually when you're playing with others, um, it can be a nice time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this idea too, that the pole is, is sometimes so, I mean, it's sexualized of like, Mm -hmm. there's a pole, there's a pole and like the strippers, you know, this is what it is. Like, this is, it's not real. It's not legit. It's not a workout. I'm like, I would challenge anybody who does not think it's a legit form of exercise to go to a pole class. I mean, I have not been to one, but I just, as a mover and having like played on a pole with some people trying to, I'm like, Oh, it is the whole thing. Yep. The, you cannot plank enough chaturanga enough your way through to create the type of upper body strength you get and the full body workout you get too. And I think, I mean, I sit a lot, even though I do some somatic therapy, I sit a lot and I also finish pretty late, which makes community classes kind of tricky to get to. And so I thought I want to do something for my own embodiment, because if I'm going to sit here and preach it to folks all day, I got to practice what I preach. And it's nice to do as a break to, to do, you know, after a long day in between clients even, and sometimes it's sexy and sometimes it's the sweatpants version. Um, right. Right. Mm. Both are good. <laughs> yeah, no, it is both good. And I, and I think there's like the part of it that can, that's for self and the part of it that can be for play with your husband. And I mean, the embodiment piece, and I, I think about this often and I and have conversations about this often with people or, or people ask me questions about this. And I think it's, I went to a dance once with, I went to this event where we dance is more like an ecstatic dance. And this person was coming through Portland and I went to this and, and she did an amazing job of like leading us, but it's like this whole idea that we're like so much in our heads. And so what is the thing that we can get for ourselves, regardless of how other people might observe it? Like people could observe me practicing yoga and have all sorts of thoughts or feelings about that. But for me, my own embodiment of like, what are those practices to cultivate like awareness of self? And when I went to this dance, she was talking about how we're so, we operate often so much from like neck up. Mm-hmm. And how do we like get into the rest of our body? And that can be really tricky depending on the stories that have been told to you about your body, what you've told yourself about your body, your, you know, your experiences at large um, and how hopefully we are having some practices where we can get out of our head and into our body. And then really, I think it's that we get into our body like out of our body and into our breath. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, how let's get out of the head into the body. But then it's like, can we stop even thinking about the body and just be with how we're breathing as we're using this body where then like the body is like, it's just like a background tool. And we're really just like allowing ourselves to be there. I think a lot of, I love the idea of connecting to the breath and being with the breath and especially for folks with anxiety or team anxiety, your breath is probably pretty shallow. It's probably from your chest. Your posture is probably shit. Your pecs are probably crushed. (laughs) Your intercostals are probably spicy. And so all of that informs how you show up for every other thing you're going to do. And so a lot of folks get very nervous when I bring up like breath work as a way to practice embodiment 
get real nervous of like, well, I don't want to, I can't count or I get really wrapped up in my head or I don't know how to keep my brain quiet. And I'm like, we're not counting. We're not trying to quiet your brain. We're just going to be with the rhythm of your breath. And it's amazing to see what comes out of that space of don't try to do anything to change or manipulate it. Just be in these sensations, you know, no sensation is permanent. There's a rise and a fall and it's okay to be in that liminal space. And I think so many people are terrified of the uncertainty of, well, what's going to happen? I'm like, either you're going to keep breathing or you're not. (laughs) And you don't control that fun fact. Fun fact, you don't control that. You're doing it till you're literally not. And so just be with it and see what happens. Mm. Mm. Thinking about you here now and you saying that, and, and I'm I'm just going to use Mormon BYU sex and then parking mm-hmm. lot, or, I'm gonna use the, the you <laughs> or Mormon boy sex. <laughs> Where in between that space did you find your breath? I think it was honestly probably about two, right, right around the winter before the start of the pandemic. So like 2019, I had gotten really into my yoga practice, being really consistent at a studio, really wonderful team of teachers and had started to feel like I could connect with my breath and with my body in this non-judgmental space in the comfort of community. And it was interesting to see how all of that transitioned into my work. And at the time I was working in residential mental health care and I was on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What? Yep. That is Uh, unacceptable. Oh yes. And so I'm over here trying to, you know, do my practice on the mat, have my breath and then be working a million hours and not sleeping or brushing my teeth in my car while I drive to show up to something kind of a thing. And I had a handful of friends and people that I knew in the community who were like, this is no, (laughs) maybe slow down. And it wasn't until I actually got hurt at work and ended up in a yoga teacher training that I really started to examine where all this like hurry up, drive, hustle, grind, bullshit ambition was coming from. Cause it wasn't mine. It was this, the social construct of you have to keep doing, you have to keep being more and more and more better, better, better. Yeah. And of course you do that as, you know, someone socialized female by overextending yourself. <laughs> and and people pleasing to hell and forgetting about your needs your breath and being really concerned with everybody else's and it was a really shitty way to show up in the world and so I reoriented myself professionally um personally and that has been you know, really I have a lot of gratitude for being able to participate in that training, it, which is funny because I don't actually teach yoga now um, <laughs> after doing it. And um, I think that's the, that's the gift of like, I think going to a teacher training is like, you don't have to, but it gives that. Mm-hmm. It's an option. 
Right. And it, but it gives that connection to breath. I would, I would actually echo that same thing. When I went to my teacher training, I didn't have a meditation practice. I didn't have a breath, like, which is, is breath practice. Mm-hmm. Like you just are with your breathing. You don't have to. And I'm like, I just want to like clarify even this one. I'm like anybody, like I want to encourage everybody to have a meditation practice, but it truly is just like sit down, set a timer and just breathe. And you yep. do not have to like not think about or think about anything in particular is just like exhale. Just like think about your next exhale maybe. And that's all it is. And, and I remember my teacher like leading and being like, see if you, and he did a give a prompt of like, see if you can inhale and exhale to the count of like four or six or whatever it was. And I could get Mm -hmm. to two. And so I think the gift of like, sure, join a teacher training. You don't have to teach, but it probably is going to teach you some things that you might not have even thought about. So like that you aren't teaching, but that you were able to like glean these pieces from it and then be like, mm-hmm. oh, I can take this and run with it. It's like awesome. And it absolutely informed the way that I teach embodiment to my clients and the way my somatic practice has evolved and being able to weave in trauma-informed practice into the yoga space and support people through embodiment that way. It's been really wonderful and super cool to be a part of but it really gave me this, like, Hey, you don't have to do so much all the time. Like you could do nothing right now and nothing bad's going to happen. I mean, it might, but if you keep doing a bunch of shit, you also don't know if nothing bad's going to happen. So why not take a pause and just, just see. Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. in this process of as you say, the seven different intersection of identities of yourself mm-hmm. in this process of even being able to say that, how does, or when, I want to say, when did your uh, ability to own your queerness come as a piece of one of those identities, the intersections? I had a when I was a kid, like I, and I grew up in the, you know, early nineties where, uh, Montel and Jerry Springer and all of that, Ricky Lake, all of that were on TV. And I remember people like being gay and that being a prime parents, like freaking out and that being a thing. And so I remember having that narrative in the back of my head. And I also had a gay uncle who no one, everyone knew he was gay, but we didn't talk about it. We just act like it was all super normal. Um, and, and so I had that in the background, but then I also had a very weirdly conservative dad who was like, I'll love you no matter what, but also that's weird. And then his partner at the time was homophobic and harmful. And so I remember I never actually came out. It was a, me writing in my journal, you know, at like eighth grade or ninth grade. I don't want to say I was like ninth grade. I'm like, I have a crush on my friend, Teehee. She's got great milky tits. <laughs> she smells like vanilla. I love her. Her hair's like a mermaid. Um, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, uh, 14 year old me and this being, this journal being found and being made to feel all sorts of shame and guilt around being a lesbian and which I just, I love people and girls smell great and generally and are soft and that's all nice (laughs) and they're good kissers and it's all nice. And, um, 
so I just retreated further back in and I was like, well, maybe it's just a thought, not a big to do. And I, you know, fooled around with girls in college and, but nothing like super serious, always for kind of like the male gaze. And then in, in being in a hetero presenting marriage and partnership, getting to explore that with the safety of my spouse who loves me unconditionally and is down to try things and play and be exploratory and have really open and vulnerable conversation. And so it really wasn't until the past couple of years where instead of just being like, "Hmm, chicks are hot, people are great to being like, no, 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 I'm, I'm a queer person. And I like all of, I like none of the people and all of the people. (laughs) So how does this feel like it's affected your ownership of your sexuality or your sensuality for you to really like, be like, this is what I'm holding. It's been such a cool exploration slash experiment of what I like and don't like and getting to explore power dynamics and gender roles. And I think moving from this heteronormative construct of what sex is supposed to look like or what sex is supposed to be to, oh, all that shit's out the window. What do you want to do? What sounds good? Do you want to, you know, do you want a power switch? Do you want to, uh, do we want to dress up? Do we want to be are you speaking specifically with your husband yes um and like do we want to how have we been approaching sex with each other through the heteronormative lens verse and what stories have we told ourselves about things that are off the table and then being able to be like oh well actually those are all stories about what's off the table everything's on everything's on the table so um strap on play for example Mm -hmm. the power dynamic there and that's been a really good time okay okay wait wait (laughs) i want to hear about the first time you put on a strap on how did that feel um it felt hilarious because dicks are funny like just gonna name (laughs) this one's not broken though (laughs) no this one's not broken it came out of a package um (laughs) You know, and of course, taking it out of the package before you even try anything, you're just trying to see if stuff fits and is working. You're trying to get the dick in the band and do the whole thing. And I'm like, why does it have to have balls? You know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, my husband's like, it's fine. It doesn't matter that it has balls. I'm like, no, but why? It's bothering me. You're like, I just wanted the dick, not the dick and balls. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's how they stay, how it stays together. I'm like, okay, it's a logistical thing. It's fine. Um, you know, it's a piece of equipment. And so of course there's the, like the seventh grade hilarity of like, you know, he and I are both seventh grade boys on this way of like, haha, dicks and balls are funny. And so after we get through that component of it, having conversation around, like, obviously we're not just going to go from like zero to strap on and got to warm things up. And it's definitely all backdoor stuff is best slow. Yep. All backdoor things are best slow. Um, unless you have a slow moment where you slip in, you know, with it, like we have, but, uh, Avoid it's socks. A, avoid socks. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why you got to get grippy. Wear hospital socks over your thigh highs. Pro tip if you have wood floors. <laughs> Ooh, 
yeah. Or like the trampoline socks. Yep, exactly. Nice. Like Pilates socks or whatever. Pilates That's socks? the way. Ooh. Okay. So you have your fishnets on and your trampoline socks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh yeah. Um, you know, cause of course we're just focused on, on feet at this point. <laughs> <laughs> amazing so there's lots of of course conversation around there was conversation around it before we ever bought anything of like hey is this something you'd be interested in trying this could be fun we're both game let's give it a try and so was he were you did you bring it up or did he bring it up I think it was like a mutual bring up sort of a thing we also watch porn together and so that I think maybe is how that conversation started um we go to sex stores together and I think we we had gone to this one sex store in Portland that had a very intense like adult baby theme going on um which no shade, no salt to anybody who plays that way. Just not my particular jam. Also, I used to work in hospice care. So 0% sexy about an adult in a diaper. Um, <laughs> but, you know, some people, that's their thing. But as we were looking around, we're like, okay, are we dog mask people? We're like, no, we're not dog mask people. Uh, like, okay, are we like, are we cage people? Mm, I don't really want to be somewhere I can't get out of. We're too clumsy for this shit. So maybe not. <laughs> We're going to lose the key. It's going to be a whole fucking like thing. This, is, this feels like a checklist. You're like, are we this? Check. Yes uh, or no. yeah. It's like, oh, I'm interested in this, but the logistics, does it seem like too much? Because mm-hmm. I'm down to put in like, quote, work, but also want to have like an effortless good time. Right. Um, and on the play less on the work, like, yeah, exactly. Like I'm happy to work your ass to lead up to it, but I, um, I'm not necessarily gonna like build something to prep for it or wax my floor or anything. Yeah. Like (laughs) none of, none of that going on. Um, although definitely feeling inspired by how to build a sex room. I'm like, that could be. I know I binged that all in like two days. Oh, say us, us as well. And we were just like big eyes, like, oh man, if we got chase now. Oh yeah. Same. And I'm like, it's a regular piece of furniture. (laughs) Just stick it in the living room. That will fit perfectly in my room. I'm like, I could put a couch here. If my bed is a little bit smaller, I'm like sex chase. That's what I need there. And so we have about a listening, send me one. (laughs) (laughs) Make it two. give a full review. (laughs) Then we'll send, send one to me hand to Angela and we'll even send you a picture off of it. We'll, we'll absolutely. You, we'll, we'll send you a picture and absolutely a video, a video even if you ask it, but just mm-hmm. bias it. <laughs> yeah. I, and the other thing too, is like, sometimes it comes down to like body logistics as well. My husband is about a foot taller than I am. I am five, two. So there are certain things that are going to be more challenging. Like this, the strap on thing I have figured out heels are required for that because of the height of our bed or two yoga blocks stacked next to each other work nicely um yoga props for all the things yes (laughs) slash experience (laughs) i I hear you i hear you or or what about a sex sling what if you put him in the sling that could absolutely work i recently learned last night um when i was nailing something to the wall that my walls are made of paper and i pull i unintentionally like was fixing a screw i have coffee mugs like mounted to the wall and i was fixing one i was like this looks like it's hanging and when i went to push it up against the wall it gave a little too much and i was like hold on and i just pulled the whole thing off the wall and i looked over at my husband and i was like i think i just saved us this crashing down in the night 
but our walls are made of paper. <laughs> okay, might be. So not maybe, the swing, Miss Standalone swing. Not the swing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, no. Big home ownership goals are for, you know, a good ceiling with strong foundation for anchoring okay. shit into the walls and the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you're liking the strap on though. That's the verdict. Yeah. A like plus. J- a plus, um, also something about the, like the strap on the sling harness situation itself, like being able to tighten it around your ass cheeks and get that, like perfect mm, perfect apple like butt idea. the you know the bottom of the butt cheek wub is my husband the would wub. put it the wub yes yeah, so he calls it the wub and it's W-U-B. the part you be yep wub and it's that part where your butt cheeks and your pussy almost meet and you just kind of can the, bounce so the butt like cheeks the inside yes like the inside like the inner part of the legs not like the where the legs connect to butt but like legs butt pussy legs butt pussy kind of that wub spot um and so being able to tighten it around there and just I, love the... I love you <laughs> like i'm gonna write this down wub this is big wub yep the 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 under the uh under the butt pre-crotch area spot <laughs> so so he likes the wub he's like yeah okay a dick that doesn't break but the wub like have you seen the, the wub mm-hmm. the wub and i you know i love to dress up as well and so that gets thrown in there sometimes because i feel like anything with a strap on involved is going to be a little bit longer so you might as well go all out mm, what does <laughs> you're gonna look like to you you're gonna take your time take all the time um big fan of like body suits and stockings um definitely like the the cheerleader schoolgirl outfit situation uh the maid didn't quite hit it i think part of that is because the only domestic task i do in the house is cook and he does everything else so i think it was just so like you need to wear the hat you just need to wear a little chef <laughs> a little hat, chef's hat a little yeah paste, a pastry hat <laughs> yeah so i think part of the main thing was like mm, this is like false advertising <laughs> I'm, I'm like, like well, I'm you, 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 you put it on then. <laughs> Does he dress up as well? Um, a for effort. Uh, he has on occasion. Um, not necessarily my thing. I'm just, I'm a big fan of like, when we go out jeans and like the black V-neck t-shirt is perfect for me. And then yeah. knowing that like the tight, the good, not the regular boxers, but like the tight black boxer briefs those are mm-hmm. those are where it's at um oh god you'll get a you'll get a kick out of this one so our very first halloween together 2016 i had gone to um like a sex store earlier in the day and my we'd been together like mm, eight months at this point we we're living together but still pretty like kind of early into it so now I go to a sex store, I buy some Batman underwear because my husband is a, is a comic book nerd. So I'm all about it. So I'm like, yeah, Bundies, as we call them, Bat Undies. Um, <laughs> bought me some Bundies and it's Halloween. So gift with purchase. I do not open this gift with purchase. I have no idea what is in this box. And so I go to his work, which is also a university. <laughs> And I stick this box in his car with like a little post-it note. But but it has the, the Bundys in it. It has um, not, I have the Bundys, but he has the surprise box from the sex store. I have no idea what's in this box because I didn't oh, even look. This is like a subscription. 
yeah, it's like a gift with purchase. So I'm assuming it's like, you know, lube or some bullshit like that. Oh, nothing, nothing okay, okay, particularly okay. exciting. Cause it's gift with purchase. You know, it's Halloween. I'm like, it's like dick candy or something. So I'm like, here's a box of random dick candy. I guess I didn't look in it. Leave a post-it note put it in there or put it in his car <laughs> at his work. This is a bad idea. <laughs> and uh, go back. I go to work because um, I have to see a client later in the evening. And then I get a text message that's like, are you dissatisfied with our sex life? Like the stuff in the box is not really for me. And I'm like, what is the fuck is in the box? It was a big ass bat cock ring. <laughs> 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 and like um numbing ball numbing you know or dick numbing last longer throb gel some bullshit something like this uh-huh. and so i'm like at work like fuck i i ruined this <laughs> trying to like be preemptively sexy <laughs> and he's over here like why did you get me lasting longer cream you just broke my dick like a month ago (laughs) and why did you get me this like i really don't want to put anything with batteries around my dick (laughs) which i think is fair you know and so then i get home and he's like feeling a type of way like i'm sorry i overreacted maybe that made you feel bad so he's sitting there in his underwear and a bow tie trying to be like no it's i'm sexy and and i'm into this and i'm sorry if i made you feel a type of way and i'm like i had no idea what was in the box and he's like wait you didn't buy any of that stuff i'm like no it was a gift with purchase i bought this stuff comes out bad undies on ta-da bought this not the other shit that was free it's like oh and so we just start laughing hysterically um <laughs> Oh my gosh. You're like, no, this is the whole thing. Like, don't, I'm like, don't this is the whole, I'm like, I'm like, don't be mad. Yeah. <laughs> I have like, I have to explain myself, but explaining myself over text message is going to be awful. So let me just try to, and so it's just really funny. And I think we've had just kind of, we have a lot of really good sex and we've also had a lot of moments like that. And I think that's where having communication outside of the bedroom is really beneficial in being able to have good fun play right because when you're naked and vulnerable and feeling a type of way about it and everybody's dicks hard that's not the time to have the conversation no because dicks are not going to stay hard then no because then you're like oh, i want to talk about emotional vulnerability it's like weren't weren't <laughs> soft <laughs> yeah oh sad <laughs> soft for everybody soft for everybody <laughs> yep exactly and and so i think that um you know among the many other <laughs> hilarious mishaps and successes we've had really informs the way that we communicate about sex and our sexuality with each other yeah well and to be able to navigate the ways that i mean we're we're such we're always evolving right like if you even jump like if you've been with him for seven years like if you jumped to seven years ago was, you guys were totally different people mm-hmm. and the only way to like get to this place is like to talk a whole ton and sometimes it's like wow we're talking i mean if you take a total time of day like we're talking more than we're fucking <laughs> oh yeah so yeah and i think in my experience too when i was um ethically non-monogamous as well in my in my 
marriage that I'm not in anymore, like having that experience and talking to people, I'm like, it's it, that especially was more talking than fucking. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, cause I work in the, you know, non-traditional relationship space with a lot of clients. And I, one of the things I, I see consistently when there are mishaps in ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy slash polyamory dynamics is people think it's just going to be being naked and having fun, which it is that, but it is not just that. And it is not that first. And if you do that part first, and then you try to go back in time and figure out how to do the thing, well, you've already done the thing. So now you need to figure out how to do it a different way, you know? Um, And and that can be, it's hard to know what conversations to even have though, until you like start doing the thing. And so it's Mm going to be, it's going to be messy. It just is. Yep. And I would encourage anybody who has that interest to, you know, of course, read the books and do the research on your own, but finding a, a kink aware professional or somebody in that space, you can AKA, have conver- right <laughs> someone you can have those conversations with non-judgmentally. Cause I think a lot of people, even if they're already going to therapy or, you know, doing some sort of coaching or something like that, they're not going to generally bring up their sex lives. And I think that's, definitely something I bring up with my clients. Um, I think people get taken aback sometimes when we're talking about embodiment and they're like, yeah, I'm pretty disconnected from my body. I'm like, well, do you masturbate? And they kind of look at me like pearl clutchy, like, did my therapist just ask me if I masturbate? And I'm like, well, do you? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then we process through that depending upon where people are at. And I think especially for people who've had experiences with sexual assault or are coming to understand their sexuality, self-pleasure is a good gateway into processing through some of those things Mm. and being able to be in a relationship or have relations with another person and know what you like first before trying to figure it out on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, um, like masturbation is going to take a minute. And I think the willingness, I mean, if we, even if we jump back to like, your, you know, working 24 seven, mm-hmm. like it's really hard to give yourself a moment. Cause like in the back of your head, you're like, I'm going to get pinged. I'm going to get pinged. I'm going to get pinged. And so to give yourself that time be like, okay, what does it look like actually to be like, if I get pinged, this is not this is not my time to get pinged. This is where mm-hmm. is it in our space and, and lives that, that I can have this moment. Like, so like, this is actually just mine. And, and, and truly I'm like, like on this podcast, I'm like, we can name it masturbation too. Like that can be the thing, but also maybe just sit and breathe. Also just like uh, eat up, eat up, actually eat a real hot dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like set down your phone and like eat it on your back porch, just like with the trees or just whatever you're doing or yeah. Being, I think the wellness industry, capital W wellness does a good job of selling us this. Like you got to be sitting in a perfect Lotus with an incense lit and drinking your green juice and doing the whole thing to be mindful. And it's like, or just being aware of what you're doing while you're doing it. It's like, I tell folks when they're like, where should I start? I'm like, the next time you remember that you're breathing, just start to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Cause you're going to be breathing all the time, or you're going to realize you're not. And then that practice is going to help you to be able to do it more easily. 
And when we can breathe, we can expand in all of the ways, not just in our, in our oxygen capacity. Yeah. And I can say these things to share these things. And at the same time, there are days that I'm like, oh, I'm breathing. And where mm-hmm. we like, and I think that's like the piece of like being able to show up on this, you know, to have these conversations is like, these are our practices. This is how we have these moments, at least, I mean, I guess I don't want to speak for you, but I'm like, this is how I'm like, oh, like I am breathing right now. I'm doing these things. I'm holding the space for my kids and I'm mm-hmm. showing up here. And also, oh, here I am too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, it's, I... I feel like I've got a pretty decent work-life balance now. And part of that is I get to create my own schedule, of course. And so I won't see more than three people in a row before I take an hour. And part of that is just being able to kind of process through what we've processed together and also to breathe because, I mean, you know, when you do a lot of talking, your breath pattern shifts significantly. Um, and sometimes I'm holding really big stories and really big information. And I find myself being like, okay, client breathe. And I'm over here holding my breath. And I'm like, wait a minute, one, two, three, we're both going to breathe. Let's just breathe together for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Because we're both people having a conversation. We're two people having a conversation, different skill sets. Right. When I, I tell that actually to yoga teachers as you know, with the people that I coach, I'm like, you do not have to have people stop and pause who are practicing yoga as students to make them pause. If you need the breath, like you can make them pause for you and they won't know the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you need a moment, like you can do that too. I think when you're a space holder of any kind, being able to meet your own needs in, in a moment, helps you to be able to do that for other people. And if that's what they're showing up for, you have a, a responsibility for yourself and for them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a learned thing to like, give, if we're going to give permission to others, like to give that to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how have you, I think, especially since you work with a lot of, of people, the BIPOC community and identifying as, as a BIPOC human being, like being in the space and claiming your sensualness as, as a human being, how is that like been as far as your journey and and showing up right now where you're like, this is who I am. This is how the story of people who are not white have been Mm -hmm. told. And especially female bodied people, how they've been told and, and how their sexuality has been theirs or not been theirs. How has that played a piece in you claiming and celebrating yourself? I think for me, it's come, I mean, for everybody, it's complex in that, you know, I grew up with a white dad and my mom is Filipino, but I was raised by my dad and seeing this narrative seeing and hearing and growing up in this narrative of women of color, especially being exoticized and fetish, fetish, fetishized. There we go. Um, and that for a white woman, this is, it's an interesting narrative. I'm seeing in the somatic space online right now for a white woman to 
go and twerk and call it nervous system regulation. It works. Five million views. So great for a woman of color to do it. It's hypersexualized. It's unprofessional. And at the end of the day, shaking your ass and regulating your nervous system, regardless of your intersections, your ethnicity is fucking good for you. So just get at it, you know, but that doesn't change the way you feel about showing up that showing up like that. And so I think as with what feels like every other damn thing, deconstructing this, I'm not, I'm not here for the white audience. I, I'm here for the for the mixed crew, for the people of color, for the neurospicy, queerdo-divergent humans. And take what you like, leave what you don't. And if it resonates, awesome. If it brings you healing or comfort or a laugh or whatever, fantastic. But I'm not going to... I think often women of color are told twice as good or better and also make yourself small don't take up too much space so you have to be better than everybody else but not too ostentatious about it not don't step on anybody's toes and at this point people are riled up and pissed about every other damn thing i'm what you think of me is not really your opinion is not my business i'm going to navigate through the world in a way that feels good to me and you know take it or take it or leave it Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, I think the, I mean, I, it's not a journey that I can, I can speak to at all, but I think just being a white woman as an observer of the experience then, or the stories of, of BIPOC women and the way that the impact of the narratives that, that are told and the censoring mm-hmm. and and I think that it, like you're taking, like, I think it's a great idea of just bringing twerking into this. Like it doesn't matter what human being, like, I mean, I'm, I'm attempting to twerk, but I can't, I mean, my back is hurt right now, so I can't twerk. Yeah, <laughs> my, you kinda... 11, my 11 year old, he's like working on his twerk. I'm like, get it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, movement, right. And hips and the availability of the pelvis, which is like the center of us. And, and, and I'm like, I, I want more men to twerk. I want more, mm-hmm. all the people to twerk, like, and, and why there is this narrative, which it feels confusing to me also. Like, yes, there's history. Like I understand, but also like, why is that still the story that has to be told? Why is that so perpetuated? Like what can we not bring enough like science into this enough, like experience into this from people. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm on the same side where I'm like, that's frustrating that there has to still be this, this story and this, like trying to claim the space. I'm like, fuck, just <laughs> stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let it be. Cause I think I've seen that same experience in my own life where I'm like, fr- like movement is freedom. Movement's like so much freedom in your own body and in your own processing. I think freedom to move your body directly impacts your ability to tap into sensuality and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because if you, to find embodiment, I mean, there's nothing more embodied than a good orgasm, right? And if, if you can't find safety in your body dancing or wiggling or exercising or running or whatever it is that you're doing for movement, how in the hell are you going to find safety and access the divine joy that is coming. 
Yeah. You know, and for me, it's partly understanding that sensuality is tied to this pleasure activism around, I am not going to let the weight of social constructs and in turn oppressive structures limit what feels good or what feels good looks like for me. Mm. Especially when a lot of the feel good stuff happens in the privacy of my own space, of our own space. But this narrative takes over that private space and robs you of the opportunity to be embodied, robs you of the opportunity to find joyful movement, playful expression. And so it turns into doing movement that you don't like, which means it's not going to be sustainable. And if you don't like it, chances are it's going to be dysregulating. So at that point, what the hell is the reason for doing it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Same. and that even jumps back to like your play with like power and gender roles. And like, if, if you're like, okay, this is the way you do it. This is the way it's right. This is the way the story is told. And if you're like, but this doesn't even feel right to me or, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so I always, I, I tell everybody I work with, if you take nothing away from our time together, but this one thing, it will bring me the most joy. And that is we are required to do so much shit. We don't want to do just to exist. Does everybody want to go to work 40 hours a week? No, but you have to do it to pay your bills, to eat your food, to take care of your kids, all the things. If some shit is not required for survival or for your health and safety, stop doing it. Mm. If our time is our only currency, why are you going to spend it doing shit you don't like doing for people you don't give a fuck about, for narratives you don't believe? So we only do shit we want to do over here. (laughs) Most of the time. But we're also yes. adults, so I got to do a bunch of shit we don't want to do either. We're also but adults. Health, healthy balance. <laughs> we're on the pole and we're making money and we're like filling up the gas tank. It's fine. <laughs> yep, exactly. A little bit of everything. And ripping the wall off. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, what right now are you excited? Is there anything that's on your fuck it list that you're like, this is something I would like to try? I have, prior to the pandemic, really wanted to go to play in public. And then during the pandemic, you know, didn't feel safe doing that. Still don't feel 100%, but I'm interested. What does that look like? I would love to go to a sex club. And we're very voyeuristic. And I, at this point, am interested in primarily just being watched. Although, see where the night or the day goes. But because of the type of work that I do and where I live, I have a don't, you know, don't piss where you sleep and working with the type of clients I do, I cannot go play in public because I might run into somebody and that would be (laughs) hilariously awkward for them. Um, You know, I tell people now like, oh, if we run into each other, I'm obviously not going to go up to you. You can come up to me and just be like, oh, from yoga or something. So you don't have to be like, this is my therapist, Um, which you totally could, but I'm not going to do that. Um, And so I think about how that could become awkward in a sex club. Um, 
or even like I have folks I work with who are sex workers or dancers. And so it's like, okay, well, this place, this place, and this place are not an option on these nights. I think if I can remember people's schedules and stuff. So it's like that adds layers of complexity to, to that, but it's, it's on the list. It's more of a logistical uh, a logistical thing. Wearing a mask. I have thought about that, but I also have very descript tattoos, as does my okay. as does my husband. And um, and if, if you're all naked, <laughs> if we're naked, you're gonna know. Not too many people running around with high fiving avocado tattoos. I'll, I'll tell you that. Okay, that's the tattoo I'm looking for now. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, matching avocados that high five each other. They're on opposite ankles. And so he and I can uh, high five with our avocados. Seriously? The amount of free guac is totally worth the tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, auto, you just like flash it on purpose. You're like, can we get free guac if we have yeah, I'm like, avocado tattoo? I'm like, can I get avocado on the side here? Look, I, I'm so in love with this fruit vegetable that I... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I love avocado so much. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's on the list. Um, but for now, I, I think our, our plan is to stick to our discreetly public, not so discreetly public sex. Although it's winter time in the Rose Garden, in the Rose Garden (laughs) pro 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 tip over by Shakespeare is the, is the place to be. (laughs) Why? Um, no what like you get good covering and no one can peek up, peek on you from above, like a lot of other places and your back is to the wall. So you got good vantage point and good cover, mm-hmm. um, this for a little, pro, this is a pro tip, little, little slip in also, uh, you know, target dressing rooms don't give a shit if two people go, <laughs> go in there or not, as long as H&M, you're quiet H&M either H&M also. Um, so I'm like. I feel like there was a dressing room recently. I think you made it in Nordstrom. Um, but anyway, like dress, dressing rooms are a good spot, um, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's it, just this idea too. I mean, you've been with this person for seven years and to still be on the lookout, be like, okay, there was a dressing room even recently where in relationships, good sex isn't going to happen unless you keep talking about sex. And mm-hmm. if you like are... I don't want to put the word brave on it, brave enough to be like, Hey, do you want to have sex in the Rose Garden? Right. Like to even like put it out mm-hmm. there as an option and then to create like a conversation around that. I mean, that's like, what's going to make it be spicy. And so to like hear about your longer term relationship and that's still, you're just like, so, um, we're here right now. Do you mm-hmm. want to, <laughs> yeah, it's always, do you think we can get a, get away with it? Mm-hmm. As long as your dick doesn't break. Yeah. I'm like, if we're, if we're quiet enough and uh, you know, we find the right spot and I mean, and sometimes it's, it's funny. Cause it's very, I've actually never had sex in my car and I've owned my car for four years now. So oh, I'm more, be christened. I'm more apt to do it outside than in the car. Um, mm. like Part of me sometimes, cause like when we're hiking or something like that, you know, we'll go up against a tree or whatever. And I'm like, what if someone found us? I'm like, what are they going to fucking do? Be like, oh shit, these people are having sex in the woods. It's like, yeah, people have sex in the woods. They do all kinds of shit in the woods. Yeah. 
I, I do think that I might have been seen having sex in the woods once. I went hiking, actually Washington side, um, Falls Creek Falls mm-hmm. is an amazing hike, but you can get, you get to the falls and then you can, you can like kind of scurry up to the next landing. You can go up to the next one and there's like even another one. Like it gets to the point where you're like using a rope to like that it's somebody tied to a tree and then you mm-hmm. up there. I went up there with a lover and then we were like up there. We're like, there's nobody here get at it let's do it you know we have like the hiking shoes on and no pants and like (laughs) the sexiest look there ever was (laughs) standing on like these big rocks in the middle of the river but like we definitely like he he was not quiet either at that moment like we were we're there Mm -hmm. uh rinsed off and um like just walked down around the corner there's definitely people like hanging out right there and i was like "Hmm." they probably walked around the corner and were like okay, those people are naked. (laughs) I always think about it this way. Chances are whoever finds you is going to be way more embarrassed than you are. And they're probably not going to say anything to you. Honestly, the, I mean, obviously I don't want to get like arrested or anything, but I feel like it could probably maybe, yeah. I'm like, I feel like that's generally pretty low risk most of the time. The only thing we're ever really conscientious about, obviously, is like, okay, how far away are we from like a school and all of the, from children and all those sort of things? I'm like, I'm not trying to get like busted or unintentionally be like a sex pervert. So, yeah, yes. it would not be intentional, <laughs> yeah. but it would be just our luck, you know, that the woods back up to like a preschool or something. And so I was kind of like, check. so are you, a, I mean, with this in mind, do you guys leave the drapes open? Yes. The windows are open in our house all the time. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking um, about this the other night I was came out of, from yoga on last, last week and I was just looking at all the buildings. I'm like, this is my goal. Like I still, I'm like, I'm looking, maybe I'm just like, you know, I'm not always, but I'm like, Oh, is anybody having, I, like, we, we look, we look. And when he used to teach at uh, this one place where he had a shared office, but his office mate was never there. And we definitely had sex on that office mate desk. <laughs> And there were like, there was like a little tiny window. And so maybe someone, you know, on campus saw us probably not, maybe. Um, but it, that's also part of the fun is this like, did they, didn't they, who the hell knows? We'll never know, but we did it. And it's like a great little secret. It is. It is. Well, I hope that you're, you're more public sex on purpose for sure eyes watching happens i mean even if you have to go up to seattle for that i mean i don't know what they're doing up there with i think that's uh i think that's kind of the intention um at some at some point the other thing too is whenever we do go on a vacation or take a weekend trip we love like a good bathroom to fuck in and a good shower. Um, and so we literally pick our vacation spots based on fuckability. Like, Wait, but, but how do you, like, I, I think of this because of how to build a sex room and the one mm-hmm. couple who was, he was so tall and she was so short. So with your mm-hmm. height difference, how does shower sex work? Uh, flexibility and I have strong calves and he's got a good so squat. Like so we're, I'm working my cat. I'm working. Yep. I'm working my calves. He's working his quads. Yeah. <laughs> we got the squat action. We got the squat action. <laughs> yep. Uh, I like our, our, our body movements right now. I mean, I'm using the whole, like the, I'm approaching the wall. Like I would, when I put my hands on my mat, like real wide hands, mm-hmm. try and spread out 
on the surface there. <laughs> good, good support. Gripping my toes down into the. He's enjoying the wub. Uh huh. They, they, <laughs> the way I grip a yoga mat definitely transitions into into shower sex. Good transferable skills. <laughs> yeah, this is good actually. Like, I don't know if that's a cue I'll use in class. Like, just grip the ground. Like you do when you're having sour showers. <laughs> yeah, like spread your toes out, tap them all down individually. Mm-hmm. Do do the whole thing. And it'll prevent prevent reduced uh-huh. slippage. It's really looking for one kind of slippage, and it's not the kind where you bust your teeth out. <laughs> nope. Nope. Wow, I'm gonna be thinking about that this, this week as I teach my classes. That's gonna be great. <laughs> As we're, as we're kind of getting to having talked here for a second, but have you always been open to talking about sex or when did that really like be like, wow, this is what I want to talk about. Oh, fun, fun fact. So growing up in LA as a kid, I spent most of my nights doing homework, listening to Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla doing love line. And, um, in the, in its original iteration, I don't even know if it still exists now, um, but it was just callers calling in with different sex questions. And sometimes it would be like, I fucked the couch with a bag of mayonnaise in the cushions. Is that weird? And I'm like 12 years old. I'm like, is that weird? <laughs> what would I say to this person? I'm like, that's a good idea. That sounds messy. Uh, sounds like a waste of mayonnaise. Um, yeah. <laughs> Garlic at first. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mm. You know, so grew grew up listening to all of that and being really interested in just human behavior and psychology. And I had thought like, I'm going to be a sex therapist when I grow up, except I had no idea what that actually looked like. And, you know, at 12, I had not had any sex or done any therapy. And so I'm like, I will be like Dr. Drew when I grow up. And then I realized that was medical school and chemistry and I are bad friends. We are not friends. And so medical school was not going to be the vibe. And I'm like, well... I will get into behavior analytics somehow. And then through the serendipitous way the universe works, I have now found myself again or in the kink aware somatic space. And my intention is to do some continuing education around sex therapy and gain that certification here in the next year or so. So it's all happening just in this very, non-linear way because life is not linear and so I've always been interested in talking about sex and sexuality and you know the reasons behind that have changed over the years but bodies are dope and people are fascinating and they're weird and they're cool and it's all these complexities and nuances and I think especially as someone with the idea identity intersections I have, and also being somebody who works with a lot of neurodivergent folks, there's lack of conversation around sexuality and neurodivergence. And I think a lot of people don't understand their own sensory needs or their own sensory processing. And so it can Mm -hmm. turn into sex aversion or touch aversion. And sometimes there's trauma embedded in that as well. And so being able to 
um, work with people to be like, okay, well, what kind of touch do you like? Is it firm pressure? Is it a softer touch? Do you like, what textures do you like? What sounds, no sound, this, that like, oh, I'd never thought about any of those things. And now that I'm thinking about them, I realize it's not sex. I don't like it's being moist that I don't like like, okay, cool. Well, how can we reduce moisture or make all of you wet? So it doesn't feel weird. And, and then people are able to be like, oh, well, I'll just fuck in the shower and then I'm all wet and then it doesn't bother me. And now I get to have sex because I understand my sensory needs. It's like, cool, get at it. Yes. I love the way that like it, looking at you, because since I can see you here, like the joy that you exist with and move with and the way you bring that to this work and the way you celebrate like not only yourself, I think there's so like, I, this is very palpable the way you are celebrating yourself, celebrating your sex, celebrating your relationship, celebrating like your continued pathway to discovery and figuring out what the hell you want and how you want to get it. And all of those pieces. And also like you're celebrating other people being like, great, you're here. Perfect. Let's, let's work with it. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing you're trying to be like, I'm trying to change this because it is bad or shameful or like needs to, or like you're dismantling all sorts of stories and letting yourself claim yourself in whatever it is. That's like truly bringing you a lot of joy and moving from that in like a a truly embodied way. And then celebrating that in other people and supporting them in that is like very, like, it's such a felt thing from you in this conversation. I just really, I'm, I'm stoked to be knowing you. Well, thank you. I, it is really important to me to the extent where in which I am able to embody my authentic self, to support other people, to be able to do that. Because I think one of the things that is so dysregulating about existing and so disruptive to our nervous systems and to our mental health is trying to always be somebody or something that you are not, whether that is through masking your true identity, whether that's through minimizing it, whether that's through manipulating it and being able to just come to this place of this is who I am. This is what that looks and feels like and take it or fucking leave it. Like it's not for everybody. This idea that we have to be for everybody. You don't want to be for everybody. No. That's a lot. Like I, I feel all of those words deeply. So yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you, you want to be for your people. And it's, it's like, I think about, you know, my, my business and my practice and how I, I consciously don't and do market in that, you know, I'm a trauma therapist, but my website's full of cats <laughs> and, and, you know, talking about anti-capitalism and socialism and all these things that people are like, don't bring that into the workplace. And it's like, well, that's, I can't turn those parts of me off. And so it shows up in the work. And when I get to show up in my work that way, it's easier to show up in my body all of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we're all more than one thing and we can't, we can't take those parts away. <laughs> nope. They're all here. They're messy, all here. messy and interconnected. And it's perfect just the way it is. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for teaching me about the web. (laughs) Thank you for talking about breaking dicks. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm shocked I'm the first person. I know other people have probably broken ticks. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, I 100% have had that experience where like you can feel it if a tick is going inside of you. You're like, oh. Yep. You know, as soon sorry, as it's happening, so you're like, oh, 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 too late. Yeah, it, it goes too fast. Like you're moving too fast to like pull out. Like, yeah, once you feel it, it's already done. Yep, exactly. And you're like, hmm, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I'm going to give you one thing that, I mean, one of the things that I've started saying is, you know, there's the phrase like balls to the walls. Mm-hmm. It's random, but I'm going to give it to you right now. So. <laughs> um, so balls to the walls and like, once I heard like the vestibular bulbs, like, and like this part of, you know, the female anatomy, then I was like, is bulbs to the wall? So like, <laughs> I often will say bulbs to the wall now. <laughs> oh, I love it. I was like, I need, I need something. I don't know, bulbs. Bulbs to the wall. <laughs> then also just the expression when you think about it, balls to the wall. I can't think of a single person with balls that would want to put them to the wall. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? What does that even that sounds painful and not like running, the way I running so fast that you're like running into the wall? Like, is there somebody against the wall that you're like thrusting so it's balls to the wall? Like, I mean, where does this originate from? I don't know, maybe a bunch of a bunch of dudes running their balls in the wall. <laughs> Look at me go. <laughs> This is a great way to end. I don't know. Great. Bulbs to the wall, balls to the wall. Why are we going to the wall? I don't know, but that's what we're doing. (laughs) That's perfect. Oh, great. Thank you so much. I will share all the contact information so that if people are like, oh my gosh, I want to work with you. Anybody listening, you 100% can look in the show notes for all the ways to connect with Angela and, um, and pretty soon we'll play taco gat goat cheese pizza together look up that card game everybody it's also very fun fast moving though so if you're not a fast-paced card game person that's not the one for you but sounds good to me (laughs) (laughs) um keep it sexy y'all and uh we're cheering for you and celebrating you wherever the hell you are at in your journey Thank you so much for getting your sexy on with me today. Hearing what you loved, what you learned, or what you're going to share with your lover makes me so damn happy. You can jump on my weekly sexy Sunday email. You can find that link in the show notes and we can connect through there. And it would super turn me on if you left a rating and review about how much this podcast is giving you life until next time. 